0: Hi, I'm Matt Battiali and welcome to my inaugural podcast, which I've, (laughs) my working title is Rocks and Money. I'm uh, looking forward to covering lots of different things with you guys over the next year, but today, today I want to talk about copper. If you're If you're a fan of the electric economy, if you're gonna go out and buy an electric vehicle, if you think Tesla's gonna rule the world, you're a copper bull, whether you know it or not. And I'm gonna explain to you why copper is my favorite natural resource right now. So if you're looking to add some mining companies to your portfolio, it needs to be copper. I also want to give a big thanks to Static and Verona for providing the the intro and outro music for me. Static and Verona is a great band out of Chicago. Um, You can find their music wherever you source the music you listen to. I know I get mine on Apple iTunes, but I'm sure you can find it all over the place. But now I want to talk about Copper. It's all over the headlines right now. Electric vehicles are everywhere. There are billions and billions of dollars being invested in new electric vehicle designs. It's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Um, GM alone is talking about having 30 different electric vehicle models available in the next few years. Why, Why did we need 30 GM electric cars? I mean, I just don't get that. I mean, I really would like to see them make one that worked well, <laughs> not thirty different versions. But that's what they're saying, and that's the trend. I mean, uh, so that you know, the headlines tell you kind of the story. But I, I was doing a little research, and Deloitte, the big bank, put out uh, a study. You know, in 2019, two and a half percent of the uh, vehicle market was made up of electrical electric vehicles EVs. Two and a half percent. So, last year, you know, it was a it was a, a rounding error basically. But by 2030, one in three, so 32 percent of vehicles sold around the world are going to be EVs. One in three. That's that's amazing. And that, that kind of growth is astronomical. And it, it, it explains a little bit about why um, you know electric vehicle startups get this crazy valuations and, and why you see uh, electric vehicle makers like Tesla are rocketing higher, because that kind of penetration in the market is astonishing. But there's another story behind that uh, for natural resource enthusiasts like myself. Uh, that I think is really uh, flying under the radar. It's overshadowed by the story of of the electric vehicles themselves and then some of these other um, natural resources involved in this. And particularly, uh, the big story to me is copper. So long-time readers know I've been writing about copper for years now because it's just a no-brainer. This is an inevitable bull market, and here's why. In a regular car, in an internal combustion engine, it needs about 50 pounds of copper, right? You know, you still have to do the the copper wiring around the the magnets in the motor. You have the copper wiring in the car. You have some copper in the battery. But, you know, most cars, it's actually less than 50 pounds. The larger ones, it's about 50 pounds or less. But in a typical electric vehicle, so like uh, the new Teslas, that takes about 183 pounds of copper. Because each wheel has a motor that needs the windings. Then you have all the wiring in it. But you also have the battery. And most people when they think of electric vehicle batteries or if they think of rechargeable batteries in general, what they think of is lithium, right? Because they're lithium-ion batteries. But the fact is, lithium only makes up about 2% of these batteries. Copper, copper makes up 8%. So there's four times as much copper in one of these batteries as lithium. But lithium gets the press and got the press because there was a a demand or a, a supply shortage. So you had demand skyrocketing for the stuff, but you couldn't meet demand in the short term. So let me tell you a little story about lithium first. For years, nobody knew what to do with this stuff. It was produced as a byproduct of fertilizer. You know, they made grease out of it. Uh, they made paint out of it. But the fact is, there wasn't really a lot of use for it until they started using it in these rechargeable batteries. And so as, you know, when you're making AA rechargeable batteries, there's plenty of lithium. But when you started making these giant car batteries, there was a lot less and phone batteries and uh, laptop batteries, right? And so all of a sudden, demand spiked and the supply didn't match it. And so the price of lithium skyrocketed. So the lithium producers looked around and they're like, well, geez, I mean, if you really want this, we can make more of it. Because lithium is, as I said, it's a byproduct often of fertilizer production. And the fertilizer is being produced from these brines. What happens is... Um, You have these basins that have no drainage to the sea. So in most places, you know, rain falls on the mountains, and the water coalesces into streams, and the streams into rivers, and the rivers end up in the ocean. But in some valleys, a lot of them in South America, a good example here in the States is the Great Salt Lake in Utah. The water comes down from the mountains, and it has no outlet. It can't go anywhere, so it just evaporates off. And it leaves behind all the minerals that it carried out of the mountains. And one of the most soluble of these minerals are salts. And we think of salt, we think of table salt, right? Which is a sodium salt, sodium chloride. Um, And, you know, it's a very common thing, but there are lots of them. Um, Potassium salt is potash. We use it as fertilizer. And lithium. Lithium makes a great salt. So it's not rare, and it's really easy to mine. You know, a lot of these solution mines, they just they put a a well down into this brine, uh, and they pump water into the brine and push the, you know, dissolve the salt, push it over to a retrieval well, suck it out, let it evaporate in the sunshine, and ta-da, you have lithium. Well, you can't really do that with copper, and that's the problem. Because we're going to see demand for copper spike exactly the way it did for lithium. But we're already maxed out on production of copper. And so when you have a situation where demand is rising and supply can't catch up, you have a bull market. You have prices going up. And here's the facts behind it. In 2027... Copper demand from electric vehicles will go up by 1.7 million metric tons. So, you know, as they roll out all these new vehicles, all these new vehicles are going to need wiring. They're going to need motors. They're going to need batteries. 1.7 million metric tons is more copper than the world's third largest copper-producing country produced in 2019. China produced 1.6 million metric tons. That was good enough to be number three. It's more copper than the world's largest copper mine, Escondida, produced in 2019. And here's the thing. Escondida, it's a geologic anomaly. It is an unbelievable mine. It is gigantic. So we need to find, develop, and build another Escondida by twenty twenty seven. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So all right, maybe maybe we can build uh, a couple of other mines. Well, mines two, three, and four. So the second, third, and fourth largest copper mines in the world barely add up to one point eight million. Metric tons. So, all right, we don't, we can't do another Escondida, can we? Recreate the world's second, third, and fourth largest copper mines and get them built and permitted and in production by 2027. No, we can't. So, what does that mean? Well, if the forecast for electric vehicles is correct, copper's going to be in short supply we will be in deficit and that's going to drive the price up and the anecdotal evidence is out there everywhere all over the world governments are legislating out combustion engines and they're legislating in alternative energies like solar and wind power and as i said you can't if you want to move an electron from point a to point b you have to have copper. Not to mention the massive volumes of copper that you need to build a wind turbine or to build a solar farm. So just the demand from electric vehicles alone will probably overwhelm supply. Demand for all these other assets uh, uh, in an electric economy, all these other facets of an electric economy, we're going to need a lot more copper. So what does that mean? That means I am eyeballing copper producers, copper developers, and copper exploration companies top to bottom because the copper price is going up. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see the copper price Respond to this in the same way that the oil price responded from 2000 to 2010, when it went from twenty dollars a barrel to 140 dollars a barrel. That sort of thing happens, you know. I mean, we just saw we just saw the gold price go from a thousand fifteen an ounce to over two thousand dollars an ounce, you know, from 2016 to 2020. Copper could very easily go to six bucks a pound very easily because the demand is a tidal wave. It is a tsunami. And we just, you know, mining just doesn't react that quickly. We need more. We just can't get it done. And so that's why I'm I'm looking at the, the entire segment of copper miners. I want to find the best producers. I want to find the best developers and I want to find the best exploration teams because every day these things are getting more valuable. Every single day, the closer we get to the inevitability of 30% of cars sold around the world being electric, the more valuable copper becomes. So that's where I am. If you guys are are curious about it, uh, that's where I am in in the copper's spectrum. I I really think that that's where we need to be. I think that's where we need to invest. So hopefully that kickstarts you and your research into copper and into copper miners. And with that, I think I'm going to let Static and Verona take us out. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Battiali. And this was the Rocks and Money Podcast, number one. Have a great week, y'all. Bye.